I'm Mike Breen, Public Awareness Officer for the American Mathematical Society, and I'm talking with Colin Adams, who is the Thomas T. Reed Professor of Mathematics at Williams College, and we're talking about knot theory, something that Colin knows a lot about. And so, Colin, when most people think of knots, they think of maybe in their shoelaces or with a garden hose. Is that what knots are? Is that what you study? In some sense, those are examples of knots, although in, in those particular cases, those knots, the two ends in whatever material that you're tying that knot into, the two ends are not glued together. Typically, in mathematical theory of knots, we assume that the two ends of the string are glued together. So you might take a string, tie a knot on it, and then glue the two loose ends of the string together, in essence, capturing that knot on the string, trapping it there. And once you've done that, it suddenly becomes very difficult to disentangle it, whereas with a garden hose, you're always going to be able to disentangle it if you work at it long enough. Once you glue the two loose ends together, you can trap a knot on a string, and you will never be able to disentangle it without cutting that string open again. I guess one of the most important things is trying to figure out when two knots that might look different are actually equivalent. Yeah, this is the fundamental problem in knot theory, which is somebody draws, for instance, two pictures of knots. They hand them to you and they say, do these represent the same knot? Could you, if you made this out of a string with the ends glued together, could you deform the one to look like the other without cutting them open? And it turns out to be a very difficult problem, and it's kind of the holy grail of knot theory is how do you figure out a way to be able to determine whether or not two pictures represent the same knot? Polynomials figure into, into that question, right? That is true. So one of the ways that you can determine whether or not two knots are the same is you associate to them what are called invariants. And invariants are quantities. They could be polynomials. They could be numbers. They could be various other things in mathematics called groups. But whatever you associate to them, it should be the same no matter what picture of that knot you have used to compute that invariant. So it depends on the knot, not on the particular picture of the knot. And some of the most powerful invariants are, in fact, these polynomials that were discovered in the 1980s that allow you to take a picture of a knot, compute the polynomial, and if you have a different picture of a different knot trying to determine if it's the same and you compute its polynomial, if those polynomials are different, then you immediately know that those two knots are not the same and you could never rearrange the one knot to be the other. And, and so that was an important uh, development, but that wasn't the holy grail? That was not the holy grail. In fact, the problem is that you can have two different knots that have the same polynomial. So it's not what we call a complete invariant. It doesn't distinguish all knots. And so people are still working on this question of finding a complete invariant, an invariant that will distinguish any knot from any other knot. And now the picture that we have on the mathematical moment is of Borromean rings. Are those knots or is that an example of a different kind of knot? It's what we call a link. And a link is just like a knot, only instead of just having one string that's knotted up, you can have a collection of strings that are knotted up, each of which has its end glued together. So in the case of the Borromean rings, you have three rings. So each of them is disjoint from the other ones, but three rings that are tangled up together. In that picture, no two are linked, but all three are together. If you presented that to someone, it would sound impossible. Yeah, it's a very interesting structure in the sense that, you know, it's, it's an example of what's called a Brunian link. And a Brunian link has this property that if you take the link and you make any one of the components disappear, so you just imagine that it just evaporates, one of the components is gone, then what's left over is a collection of disjoint rings that are not tangled up together in any way. And so it becomes what we call a trivial link with one fewer component. And the Bromian rings is really the first example of that, of a three-component link, such that if you make one of those components disappear, the other two just become two unlinked rings. That's Colin Adams of Williams College, and Colin will start part two of the interview talking about how he got interested in knot theory.